Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. In London, this is The Economist. You're listening to Tasting Menu, our weekly highlights podcast, serving up an appealing platter of prose from this week's coverage. I'm Anne McElvoy, head of Economist Radio. And on your menu this week, the chocolate curtain dividing Europe, frozen treats behind battle lines, and how science got women wrong. But first, a divided country was our cover line this week. Looking ahead to the 4th of July celebrations in the United States of America, it explained how the Trump administration has not shaken Washington out of its paralysis as promised. Rather, it's added to America's problems. Five months into his first term, Mr Trump presides over a political culture that is even more poisonous than when he took office. His core voters are remarkably loyal. Many business people still believe that he will bring tax cuts and deregulation. But their optimism stands on ever shakier ground. The Trump presidency has been plagued by poor judgment and missed opportunities. America's loss of faith in politics didn't start with the Donald, but his policy choices threatened to accelerate a decline. He has correctly identified areas where America needs reform, but botched his response – partly because of his own incontinent ego. Take tax. No one doubts that America's tax code is a mess, stuffed full of loopholes and complexity. But Mr Trump's reform plans show every sign of turning into a cut for the rich that leaves the code as baffling as ever. So too health care. Instead of reforming Obamacare, Republicans are in knots over a bill that would leave millions of Mr Trump's own voters sicker and poorer. And what's worse, America's economic strength and stability can only mitigate the damage being done from the White House itself. Suspicion and mistrust corrode all they touch. If the ablest Americans shun a career in public service, the bureaucracy will bear the scars. Besides, a bad president also imposes opportunity costs. The rising monopoly power of companies has gone unchallenged. Schools and training fall short, even as automation and artificial intelligence are about to transform the nature of work. If Mr Trump serves a full eight years, which, despite attacks from his critics, is possible, the price of paralysis and incompetence be huge. From mistrust in the White House to mistrust in supermarkets now, as we turn to our Europe section, where a food furore is serving up big political implications. 
For some, it is the cheese and yogurt. For others, the fruit juice. But for Tibor Ferko, a young butcher from Ustinan Labum, a city in the northern Czech Republic, it is the chocolate that leaves him slavering at the chops. Mr. Ferko gestures with near Italian flamboyance as he recalls the creamy texture of the Milka bars available just across the German border, but denied to him by the inferior product at home. And the problem doesn't end with chocolate. Many in ex-communist countries like the Czech Republic have long suspected that multinationals are giving them second-rate versions of their branded products. For many, that sticks in the throat. A mini-industry of angry consumer shows and cross-border shopping enterprises caters to consumers' frustrations. Thousands of those who live near the frontier vote with their feet. Czechs visiting German towns like Altenburg and Heidenau, where supermarket signs come in two languages, say they can find higher quality, more choice and often lower prices. It's a feeding frenzy for politicians. In February, a Czech minister said his people were tired of being Europe's garbage can, a metaphor that several Czech shoppers repeated unprompted to Charlemagne. Bulgaria's prime minister compares food manufacturers' treatment of East European consumers to apartheid, really. In March, Robert Fitzo, Slovakia's prime minister, brought the issue up at a European Union summit. If Angela Merkel and Theresa May were dismayed to find themselves discussing the relative consistency of Nutella in Austria and Slovakia, they were polite enough to go along with it. But is it true? Well, the European Commission says it doesn't yet see evidence of serious market anomalies. But the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Studies have detected no substantial variation between Milka chocolate in the Czech Republic and Germany, a finding corroborated by your columnists' personal taste tests and by the respective lists of ingredients. We can only thank them for stepping up to the plate. To our next course now, and it's a sweet treat from our Middle East and Africa section. We've got the scoop on how business is booming for American ice cream brand Baskin-Robbins in war-torn Yemen. Since the war erupted, the company has added a new branch to the five it already has in the capital. Our best seller is Pralines, says one of the managers, who last month served more than 16,000 customers. And in a country where temperatures can exceed 50 degrees centigrade, a cold cone is understandably popular. Each month, a freezer truck brings its fresh stock of 20 flavours, 1,500 kilometres, that's 900 miles, through the desert. The journey is expensive and tiresome, but mostly safe, so long as the gunmen manning some 60 checkpoints en route are kept happy. For the right fee, they will also refrain from inspections which in the heat might make the ice cream melt. Alas, import duties mean that ice cream can face a rocky road to market. The company has to pay them twice, to the internationally recognised government at the Omani crossing and to the rebels at a new office on the mountainous approach roads to Sana'a. But such is the demand in a country where temperatures can exceed 50 degrees Celsius that the franchise still turns a profit. Airstrikes can interrupt business, sending Yemenis rushing home, but they have grown less common. Of eight outlets in the rebel-held north, only one has had to close because it lies close to a military base. I was going to end with a pun on Yemen sorbet, but then some of our listeners keep writing to me saying they hate our puns, so if it's you, just sorry, sorry. 
Over to the week ahead, another of our podcasts now, where John Prideaux discussed why voters in West Virginia were won over by Donald Trump's charm. The voters of West Virginia really like the fact that the president turns up and says he's going to bring back coal jobs because it shows that he's on their side in a way that, you know, no kind of carefully calibrated, slightly kind of wonkish response to deindustrialization in in West Virginia can. And, And that's why I say so much of voting in, in the last election and so much of politics now seems to be about identity, what kind of person you are, how your neighbours vote. A phrase that's often passing the lips of President Trump is, of course, fake news. And as Hal Hodson discussed on our science and technology show, Babbage, it's becoming easier to produce. While it's pretty hard to doctor images, the fact that it's about to get easier is perhaps going to take us back to a time when there was no written down truth that everybody could agree on. There was no media that everybody could agree on. And I I think we're going to have to learn to trust each other a little bit more and not believe everything we see as easily. But it's time to move from smart radio to smartphones as we go to the business section. It's been a big week for Apple as the iPhone turns 10. But as the tech giant struggles to find another blockbuster product, an old idea is flying off the shelves. Apple has a new hit device, so popular that it has sold out across most of America and Britain. If you order it online, it takes six weeks to arrive. Best Apple product in a long time, sings one online review. The Apple AirPods, headphones that look a lot like traditional earbuds but without the wires. Priced at $159, AirPods could become a business worth billions of dollars, like the Apple Watch, a wearable device that Apple started selling in 2015. But headphones are hardly the transformative, vastly profitable innovation that many have been waiting for. This Apple product really doesn't fall far from the tree. Part of Apple's difficulty in finding the next big thing may be that it is still steered by a small, insular group of executives who have mostly been at the firm since the 1990s. They include Mr Cook, who took over shortly before the death of Steve Jobs, the firm's adored founder, in 2011. Apple is not good at hiring people from outside who could help bring new skills and ideas. However, we're unlikely to be hanging up our iPhones anytime soon. The iPhone 8, due to be unveiled in September, is likely to be innovative enough to encourage around 250 to 300 million iPhone users to upgrade, driving a new super cycle of sales. The company is looking to the future with smart glasses. These will overlay digital information onto the real world without the need to look down at a screen. Work that Apple has done in developing AirPods, the Apple Watch and Arkit such as waterproofing and elongating battery life, are the building blocks for smart glasses, says Benedict Evans of Andreessen Horowitz, a venture capital firm. Many reckon that glasses may render phones useless, but for a long while glasses will only work with the help of the computing power of a nearby smartphone. Well, pop on your 20th century reading glasses now, because we're heading over to the books and art section. Now, you may assume that I, as a woman, am gentle, caring and empathetic. But as my colleagues would tell you, you'd be wrong. Inferior by Angela Saney, a British journalist and broadcaster who has written in the past for The Economist, is an illuminating account of how science has stoked the views that innate preferences and abilities differ between men and women. 
Miss Saney unpicks some of the most influential studies that have framed women as gentle, caring and empathetic, and men as strong, rational and dominant, differences attributed to biology and evolution. A striking pattern emerges. Almost all of the prominent scientists behind these studies are men, whereas much of the growing, more recent research that disputes them is done by women. Many scientists have been stuck in their heads, though, concentrating purely on the brain. Men's brains are 8 to 13 percent bigger than women's. In the 19th century, that was seen as proof that men were the cleverer sex. Since then, reams of research have shown that differences between the sexes in cognitive abilities or motor skills are very small or non-existent. When differences are found, they are not always in favour of the same sex and may shift over time. But no two brains are the same. Each is a mosaic of features, some of which are more common in men and others in women. According to one analysis of studies on sex differences in the brain, the proportion of people whose brains had purely masculine or feminine features was between 0 and 8%. Angela Saini's book Inferior rounds up compelling evidence against several other stereotypes casting women as natural caregivers dependent on men for survival. Women have come a long way since the days when they were rarely seen in universities or laboratories. Inferior is the story of how science made the journey tougher until now. And that's the end of our journey through this week's Tasting Menu. You can read all the articles mentioned in this week's issue and many more and find our other podcasts on our website. Keep sending us your thoughts to radio at or via Twitter. In London, this is The Economist. 